The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. And the Royals get swept at home for the first time all season and swept by the White Sox in a three-game set for the first time in more than two years as the Sox light Johnny Cueto up like a Christmas tree en route to a 7-5 to win in front of the 19th sellout of the year at Kauffman Stadium on this Sunday. What's up? It's Dave O, and I'm glad you're along for another edition of Clubhouse Conversation, the place, of course, where we catch up with all your favorite current and former Royals players throughout the week and also dive into Royals games, Royals series, Royals moves, Royals strategy, Strategy, all that right here on your dish here on Clubhouse Conversation. And we'll get right to Johnny Cueto here in a minute or two. I know you want to hear about Johnny Cueto, my thoughts on that. Discuss his last few outings, discuss today, because that's the storyline of the day is the frustrations with Johnny Cueto. That's one of the storylines. Another one that we keep hearing about is Nedios resting players. We'll get to that coming up. We'll preview all three games of the Twin Series as well, as the Royals face a fairly important three-game set with the Twins starting tomorrow night. But we begin with our player of the game, and it's Gerard Dyson. Dyson, how about his no-doubt home run off of Eric Johnson in the sixth inning? Dyson's second home run of the year. He ends up two for three with the home run in this game, does Gerard Dyson. And besides that, there was two other home runs, and that was pretty much the Royals' offense today. You had Salvador Perez, the solo home run in the second inning to get the Royals started. That's his 19th home run of the year. Opposite field to right center. Good to see that. And you had Mike Moustakis hitting his 16th home run of the year in his first start back since experiencing hamstring issues about five days ago. That's his 16th off of Eric Johnson in the sixth. A couple of hitters after Dyson's. A solo shot. So you have three home runs on the day. Three solos. Dyson, of course, got into the run in with a little infield chopper he beat out to first base. But the Royals... Offensively, not a single walk today, which was kind of a problem. No walks. Did put five runs on the board. You can't be too upset about that, but no walks. Struck out six times. Eric Johnson, who made his 2015 debut for the White Sox after pitching at AAA Charlotte, was the most viable pitcher in the International League this year at AAA. Of course, that's completely different from the American League, but, you know, I digress. Six innings, three runs on five hits for Eric Johnson with a few Ks. And the Royals did score a couple off of Jake Patricka there, who couldn't find the strike zone in the seventh. He hit Salvador Perez, of course, gave up the double uh, to Paula Orlando after falling behind three and nothing. Like I said, Dyson gets one in there. But Eric Hosmer, the, the key at bat of the game, I thought, coming off the bench to pitch hit for Omar Infante against Matt Albers. Good move there by Ned. But Haas chops out to third base weekly. And by the time Ben Zobra stranded Dyson at second that inning on the flyout to right, that'd be about all that she wrote for the Royals offensively. But coming in, if you would have told us on any of these starts, the Royals would give Johnny Cueto five runs, especially against a team well under 500 like the White Sox, you would say the Royals are going to win, right? But no, not today and not in recent days for Johnny Cueto. And I know you want to hear about him, so let's get to it. And I, I sat on here after his last outing and the days after, you know, the next couple of days, taking tweets and talking about it. And I'm not going to say I gave him excuses. I just said that Johnny Cueto deserves the benefit of the doubt. Because you look at the last four years, we gave you the numbers. You know, bonafide ace last year, 243 innings, wins 20, and his ERA is you know, consistently in the mid to low twos uh, the last several years. I mean, you look at Johnny Cueto... 
And actions speak louder than words. The numbers in the field do it. Of course, you can say the same thing about the last four outings. But, you know, so on one hand, you've got a guy who, not only that, but I was talking about how he's trying to get in sync with Salvador Perez. And, you know, last outing, he gave up four runs in the six innings, but maybe one or two runs wouldn't have been allowed if the Royals are playing good defense behind him. We we talked about that. We talked about how a lot of balls outside of the strike zone are getting struck for hits, which is, uh, you know, uncommon to see that kind of average on balls in play against, you know, the ones that are out of the strike zone. We talked all about that. But while it's true, Cueto has a long track record and he deserves the benefit of the doubt. And also that the Royals got him for October, not for September. It's also true that he's not pitching anywhere near an ace the last four games. And that he was awful again today. And it's also true that Johnny Cueto has never had a stretch, you know, like this during his entire career. He's never lost four starts in a row ever. Today was his fourth straight loss. And they were bonafide losses. It wasn't one of those things where, you know, a lot of times you can look at losses and just say, well, it, you know, it doesn't really matter. You know, the team didn't play well behind it. They made errors. They didn't score for him. But these were legit losses. And these losses were on him in these games, you know, for his team as well. So today, three innings, five runs, seven hits, two walks, four strikeouts. So you do some math here, that's nine base runners allowed in three innings. He had a whip of three in this game, threw nearly 80 pitches in three innings on a hot day at Kauffman Stadium where the heat index was pushing the upper 90s. So worst four-game stretch of his career. And over his last four, let's look at the numbers. He's thrown 20 innings over his last four outings and given up 21 runs, more than a run per inning. That translates to a 9.45 ERA in the last four for Johnny Cueto. Now, he does have 17 strikeouts in the 20 innings, so I'm a guy who also, you know, always likes to look at peripherals, especially strikeouts. I'm a big strikeout guy, big strikeout guy, especially in the minor leagues. You look at a guy having a great year in the, in the minor leagues, until, you're, until he's striking out nearly a hitter per inning, I'm not interested for the most part. And that's kind of the same thing at the major league level. Guys who can miss bats generally have success, and generally guys aren't getting hit hard on balls out of the strike zone. But whatever it is with Johnny, it's just his stuff is flat. And again, I, I really never saw him. I saw him pitch about three games in person prior to him coming over to the Royals. So I don't feel like I have a super long you know, analysis of him. I've seen him throw in person six times now. Close up close and personal, where I can actually see the ball moving out of his hand right behind home plate. I've seen that six times now, so it's almost a big enough sample size to talk more about stuff. But I mean, the thing I notice is just it's just it's flat, the ball's up for the most part. And when he's down, he's missing up, I mean, almost consistently. Even the most of the balls today were up, 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 up. Problem with that, of course, is a lot of balls up can also be hit out of the ballpark or at least nine iron shot over the infield for base knocks. So the ball is, is up. I don't know what it is. It's just, the stuff's not crisp. And I, you know, Johnny Quaid after the game telling us, you know, I feel fine. I feel strong. I feel great. My arm's fine. My elbow's fine. I feel 100%. Of course, he's probably going to say that for a number of reasons. He doesn't want to make excuses because it's not the macho thing to do. He's pitching for a contract, and he wants to, you know, of course, pitch for the Royals as well, who gave up a lot and showed a lot that they believed in him in a town that's rallied behind him. So, of course, he's not going to say if anything's wrong. But I have to wonder if there's some dead arm issues. You know, I... Because, yes, you know, coming in, I told you my level of concern was about a two, two and a half coming into today. My level of concern is now a six and a half on a one to ten scale with Cueto. Just because the ball is consistently up and it's being hit, it's flat, it's not moving. It's just, it's like spinning up there. The cutter's been crushed. We've seen that. For a while, you thought maybe it was a tempo thing because him and Salvi, after that shutout, seemed to never be able to be on the same page again. 
I, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I'm assuming not. I, you know, I don't know. To me, though, if you're asking me my opinion, I think it's time the Royals skip him the next time through. You've got four outings left for him in the regular season now for Johnny Cueto. Four more starts. You skip one, that gives him three more. To me, if you don't skip him this next start and the same thing happens again, then what? Then you're going to skip him at that point, aren't you, for sure? You have to skip him if he keeps getting his brains beat in because you just have to wonder if it's, you know, 243 innings last year. The year before that, he was injured. Didn't throw that many innings. I mean, is it an innings thing? Is he wearing down? Do you just, you know, give him one start off? I think you do. Regardless of what he says, you need him to be strong for the playoffs at this point. And I think if he goes out there again and gets his brains beat in again, not only are the Royals going to lose that game, but then you're going to almost have to pull him the start after that, and then you only give him two starts when he comes back. I would have him miss his next start, then you give him a full three starts after that to get going before the playoffs and work on things. That's just my opinion. So I would skip him the next time through. 30% chance the Royals do it. you got to know they're thinking about it at least, for sure. And the Royals' starting rotation has now become a question mark ever since mid-August, hasn't it? Thank goodness Yordano Ventura has stepped up. We'll talk about his numbers the last few outings here in a second when we preview the Twin Series. But outside of Ventura, the rest of the staff since August 16th, an ERA over 6.4 for the rest of the starting rotation. Ouch. The Royals now 85-54. and 54. They're four games ahead of Toronto. The record's, of course, still great, but four games ahead of Toronto is not the best thing in the world. So we shall see what happens here as the Royals trying to somehow get Toronto to lose. That would help out a little bit. They don't seem to ever lose anymore. But the Royals were 82-54. and 54. I just said 85. Maybe I'm predicting a sweep against the Twins here going ahead. 82-54. and 54. I thought that was wrong. I was double-checking that. I'm like, they're not 85-54. and 54. So anyway, four games ahead of Toronto, and let's preview the Twin Series. Can they sweep this series? Maybe. I think two out of three looks pretty good. Tommy Malone and Yordano Ventura square off in tomorrow evening's tilt. Malone, 7-4, a 3-6-0, coming off a gym his last outing. Ventura, 10-7, 4-2-4. Malone, to be exact, against the White Sox, struck out seven in seven innings, no runs, three hits, no walks. Only three base runners in seven innings against the White Sox, picking up that dub his last time out. Casey has hit him fairly well the last couple of season since coming over from Oakland. This year, they've seen him three times. They're 0-1 against him. Sorry, 1-0 against him with a 4-2-4 this year. 4-2-4 against Malone in three outings this year. Now, Ventura, let's go over him. We we mentioned the the, the ugly, you know, lipstick on a pig type starting rotation numbers outside of Ventura since mid-August. Him, though, his last five starts in that same time frame, 32 innings, 43 strikeouts, and a 1.13 ERA for Ventura, his last five starts. Has been the ace the Royals need. And they needed to put his foot down tomorrow night. Again. I mean, he's, he's done it two outings in a row. 11 strikeouts, back-to-back outings. Baltimore in his last time against Detroit when he went seven innings and one run. The Royals need six or seven innings of two-run ball out of him tomorrow against the Twins. Be the man, Ventura. Get us that W. I think they get it done. And then they face longtime nemesis Kyle Cy Gibson. You've got John Danks, who's you know probably above Gibson. But the Royals seem to never like to hit against Gibson either. Who's nine and nine, a three eight four this year against Edinson Volquez, twelve and seven, three five three. Uh, Gibson this year has a two point eight eight against the Royals in four starts, so he's continued it this year. The Royals have beat him twice this year, technically two and two, but a two point eight eight. So Gibson overall has been good in three of those four outings against the Royals, and his last time against the White Sox gave up three runs in six innings. Now Volquez worst start as a Royal, three innings, six runs against Detroit with eight hits. Volquez this year, though, has been very good against the Twins. Even better than Gibson's been against the Royals. Volquez, three starts against the Twins this year, 2-1 with a 2.03 ERA. So what do you think in that game? 
that's a toss-up game to me. You know, two fairly even pitchers to me, Gibson and Volquez. Volquez has had a slightly better year, but, you know, has had some difficult outings, including his last one, and Gibson seems to always have the Royals number. Uh, what will the Royals play lineup-wise? We're going to talk about that here after we preview the last game, and I'll give you my final thoughts on the Ned Yost resting guys, because I've gotten a lot of tweets about that. But first, Mike Pelfrey and Chris Madlin wrap up the series coming up on Wednesday before the off day on Thursday. Pelfrey been in a slump, hasn't pitched six full innings in five of his last six starts for the year of 417 ERA. It comes off of seven runs and four innings against Houston. And Pelfrey has seen the Royals twice this year and done well. He's 1-0 with a 2.45. Medlin first start against Minnesota this year, comes off of seven runs allowed in five and two-thirds. His last time out. I'll go two out of three in this series. The Royals get the win tomorrow with Ventura on the hill, and they split the last two. And that's fine. Two out of three should keep you at four above 500. I'm to the point where I expect Toronto to win two out of every three. (laughs) Honestly, I'm just going to accept it. If the Royals win two out of three, they'll only still be four up. So, thankfully, Toronto does have six or seven games left against the Yankees coming up. Hopefully, they can, the Yankees can at least get three of those. My gosh, it's tough. When you look at the Toronto schedule, it's tough to find much more than nine or ten more losses, though, if they keep playing the way they've been playing. So, the Royals need to start playing some ball. And, and to that, like I said, a few tweets today at Royals Clubhouse. Davo, what's the deal with the lineup? You agree with Ned resting, guys? I do and I don't. I do agree with Ned Yost giving guys day off. I do agree with Ned Yost pulling guys in blowouts like he has been the last few nights, between the Detroit series mainly, when you saw Frankie Pena in three out of four games, and you saw Gore out there, and some of the other guys. You know, G.B. Terry played a couple games at first base. I love that, first of all. That's great. And yes, I think it's fine to have a guy out of the lineup each day. But no, I don't like this. You know, For example, two guys today hitting over 300. You got Haas out of the lineup. You got Kane out of the lineup. Yesterday, you had no Perez. You had no Zobrest. You had no Johnny Gomes against the lefty, even though Johnny Gomes had only played, what, three games in a row at that point? And I know they want to see what Paulo Orlando has. And Paulo has been doing fairly well, low 700s OPS, and they want to see for the playoff roster if they should keep him over Rios as the last guy. You got to figure the five outfielders are a lock. Got to figure Gore's on the roster, Dyson's on the roster, Zobris, Gordon, and Kane. You know, so you're looking at that sixth outfielder. Who is that? So I guess Zobris would be second base. Did I count Dyson? Whatever. There's five guys in the outfielder. The one more outfielder is either Rios or Orlando for the last one. So I get that. So yeah, I'm fine with Ned giving some guys a day off. You know, especially Salvi. To me, Salvi should get one out of every five games off automatically the rest of the way, for sure, at the very least. So that's good. But does Eric Hosmer really need a couple days off in the span of two weeks playing first base? Did Morales really need one game off as a DH, even though he's already had several in the National League parks this year? Does Omar Fonte need to start back-to-back games and play three times in the last week? He did have a double last night, in fairness to him. Moose has been hurt, so that's kind of unfair. You know, playing Cuthbert was fine. Kane has had a sore rib cage. That's also true. So giving him a day off is not is fine. I just don't like him keeping two guys out of the lineup at the same time. Like, today you've got to have Hosmer in to me. And I know he wanted to DH Gordon. He didn't want to play Gordon in the outfield back-to-back days yet. So I understand that. So I'm not. I do, I'm okay with it for the most part, but it needs to stop now. Because the other thing to remember is that you can do this again the last week. If you can get this thing completely sewed up and have a five, six-game lead with a week to go on Toronto, then you can rest guys all you want. And, Ned, you also get three days off. There's also three days off between that final game of the year in Minnesota on the Sunday and the Thursday ALDS game one in Kansas City. So, I mean, you have three days off after the season ends to rest. So three days off there, and you give guys a game or two in the last week. I mean, that's like, you know, they're going to be off like three out of nine or ten days. So I I think it's unnecessary to to give mass substitutions right now. I'm fine with one guy out of the lineup a day, maybe two on a Sunday when Perez is out. 
Maybe two when Perez is out. But for the, other than that, there shouldn't be more than one guy out of the lineup at any time. That's my opinion. We will talk to you again tomorrow night after game one against the Twins. Hopefully a Royals victory. As always, keep the commentary coming. Love hearing from you here on the site. You can comment. You can hit me up at Royals Clubhouse on Twitter, Clubhouse Conversation, Facebook, Dave O at clubhouseconversation.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening. Go Royals. It's Clubhouse Conversation. Talk to you tomorrow.